1: They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: How's it going, everyone? Welcome to the next episode of the Squash Mind podcast series. And I have got Muhammad Al shabagi today. What an absolute treat to be able to get someone of this caliber on the show, to be able to talk about the mind, to go into lots of detail about his mental approach to the game, and I think you're going to take a lot away from this conversation. There is a lot that comes up that I was not aware of, the way he looks at the game, and a big theme tends to be the ability to prove others wrong. He repeats this quite a few times from his junior career right up until the current point he he's at. And I think you'll really enjoy this chat that I have with Mohammed Al Shabaghi. So, a few little quick stats on Mohammed. Um, right? Are you ready for this? Because there's there's a lot, and I've had to try and condense this down. So he's only the second person to have won the World Junior Open title twice. In 2014, he became the fourth youngest player to reach world number one. He won the World Open title in 2017 and against his brother in the final, Marwan, which would have been you know, a very emotional time for his family and himself. Uh, I talk a little bit more about this in the chat with Marwan, not so much here with Mohammed. And um, here's a little rundown of some of his major titles, but there's a, there's a lot more along the way. He's got three British Open titles. He has won the Tournament of Champion four times. He is the four-time winner of the Qatar Classic. He has three US Open titles as well as three Hong Kong Open titles. And as I said, that's just a few to mention. So I think what he has to say is definitely or should be taken with a lot, of, a lot of weight, a lot of kudos of what he talks about. But like all these athletes and people I've been speaking to, he makes the point that this worked for him. It might not necessarily work for you and it's something to consider yourself, something to think about, but he has found his own way and he has worked hard at finding exactly what works for him. He was an absolute delight. He was very open. Shared some stuff that he might not have shared with anyone else before. So hopefully you can take a few of these nuggets and appreciate the the openness, the honesty, and you will just see the the character of the man himself. Uh, I was, I say, lucky enough, but probably unlucky enough to play him a few times in my career, and he did give me a, a couple of lessons when he was he was still a teenager. The 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 pace, the intensity he played at, you could you could just see greatness was going to come for him and. Evidently, from his titles, from the way he has improved, the way he sustains himself at the top of the game, this is obvious. And I think you'll enjoy the way he reinvents himself. He talks about how he has to reinvent his game, how he looks at the mental approach, how he surrounded himself with very positive people, and just one of the most illuminating, vibrant, deep conversations I've had to date on this Squash Mind podcast series. So, without further ado, please welcome Muhammad Al Shabagi. Mohammed Al shabagi welcome to the next episode of the Squash Mind podcast series. How are you keeping?
3: I'm keeping good. How? Uh, yeah, things are being a bit uh, different for everyone at the moment, but uh, yeah, I've been keeping okay and trying to uh, stay fit as much as I can for uh, for the next few events.
0: Cool, man. Awesome. Well, looking forward to jumping into this chat today. You know, uh, if 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 I'm going to choose a few people where I think about they had the strongest mental side of their game, you know, you come up at really high up on that list. So thank you for spending some time with me today. And yeah, hopefully we can go through some really cool stuff with the mind. And, but I think, I think a good place to start is let's go back to your move from um, Egypt to the UK. Are you able to talk us through this please? and, And some of the reasons behind this move?
3: Uh, I was uh, I was 14 years old, I was 15 years old and uh, it, it all came by luck actually, uh, there was a world champion Egypt 2006, the one that Palmer beat Greg in the final uh, and Joey was there, I didn't know any of the players on a personal level, obviously I knew the names and uh, so just after I won six months before it, I won the British junior under 15, it was my first British junior win so uh, I thought I was really cool winning the British Junior and stuff. You know, it's always cool to obviously win this title. But like, I went to the professional that uh, lost in the tournament, and I, I started to ask them if I started to introduce myself. I'm the British Junior champion under 15. Wow. <laughs> you know, all this. Uh, would you would you like to hit with me? You know, <laughs> and obviously I, I got annoyed most times. To be honest with you, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they were uh, they were like, "Who this kid was trying to annoy us?" I, I can understand. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, and then you guys were actually I wanted to speak to him and introduce myself and uh, funny enough that I didn't want to go and speak to him actually because I just I was a shy kid I uh, I, I went to a few professional and obviously they didn't know who I was and I was a little kid and I was annoying them I wanted to hit with them just like other kids and uh, so mom kept pushing me and I was like okay this is the last time I'm gonna go and speak to someone and uh, <laughs> so yeah. I went to speak to speak to George, introduce myself to I'm in a French school in Egypt. I, uh, I, uh, I knew Jonah because, very well because Gamal Awad is the one who actually started me play professional as well. So he always spoke to me about Jonah because he was his coach. All these things, and he seemed interested in a different way. And then he started telling me about midfield, all these things, and uh, and then in a week I found myself in midfield. My whole life right. changed. Got the visa sorted, everything sorted, but the crazy decision was not from me or the kid at the end the crazy decision came from my parents how exactly. did uh, like it was it took it, it took so much courage from them to send their kid away in, to england in a foreign country by himself when mm-hmm. he couldn't speak english knowing that i could still do it you know uh, so, so uh, so yeah, it was a different move, but um, I needed that move at that time. Things were not very going very well with me in Egypt. There were so many politics with Federation and stuff like that. I was the only kid from Alexandria competing with all the kids in Cairo. Nice. There was so much politics and uh, I needed to get out. Let's, let's put it this way. I needed to yeah. get out and uh, I wouldn't have got fully to my potential unless i left at that time really? you think yeah because uh,
0: obviously while staying at home and comfortable and and you know egypt's producing amazing players so you believe the move made you the person you are today you think
3: i believe the move made me succeed earlier in my career okay Uh, Because when I left to England, I had the chance to play against top 50 players early in my life. When I was 15, 16, I had the chance to play the BSP events, which were the great starts before the PSE to play players like Stacey Ross, players like, uh, you know, uh, I played, I think, uh, I played Aslan once uh, when I was 16. All these guys, I, I had the chance to watch them, play them, played Selby, you know, all these guys. I was a kid and I had... That chance to play these guys, while the kids in Egypt in my generation didn't have that chance. Mm. So you got players like Gawad and all these guys. They they got they getting to their potential, obviously, and they're great players. But I think one of the reasons of why I got there a bit much earlier than them, I think, was I was exposed to play against these top professional players early in my life, mm. and I think England gave me that.
0: Well, I, I was going to lead on to that the next bit, which which was around what what did the move contribute to your mental toughness do you think so obviously i think jonah was a big part of that of that mental toughness so could you talk about that idea about moving across so young and what happened in the mind in regard to those those early years when you came here
3: uh i think that mental toughness started with gamal awad in egypt he is the one who uh got that into me mentally from when i was 10 years old he um he put me in under a brutal kind of training when I was a kid. I mean, kept telling me that this training that I'm giving you is gonna stay with you forever mentally, because I'm making you not just train for right now. I'm making, I'm, 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 I'm making you much stronger here, and this will stay with you forever. And and I didn't understand that at the time. Obviously, I understood. I understood this more. I started to understand that when I was in juniors, to lockdown down in matches, winning matches, tough situation, I was getting through them. That's when people started saying yeah he's strong mentally he's not maybe the most talented squash player but mentally he's tough and uh, and I felt like with that mental toughness I've beaten so many players who are much more talented than me squash wise you know and um, yeah and then I left to England and then Jonah even made that even better you know he he uh, I was mentally strong but how can I be mentally strong but I uh, control that strength at the same time like I used to just go from the first point I'm using that mental strength I'm fighting all the time. Well, uh, when I went to, I started to understand that, why do I need to use that from the first point? Why can't I just leave that as a weapon and just produce it when I need to? Mm -hmm. And just try to, just when, a bit easier than just making it take so much out of me because when you go through things mentally in the match and fight through things mentally, it still takes a lot out of you. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, Jonah made me understand that much, much more definitely when I came to England and um, yeah, it really, really made a lot of difference with me at a young age. Definitely. Yeah.
0: Well, can you, can you just talk on that? You know, I'm thinking back to some 10 year olds, I coach 11 year olds, even 15 year olds and, and, and trying to get that idea of mental toughness into them. And it, it, you can just see their eyes change. They are not interested in doing it. What examples were you given where you were like, actually, that 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 that's going to make me become mentally tougher? Because as a ten-year-old to do mental toughness, that could be quite difficult. Do you think? And and but how? Why did it work with you?
3: What the, what Awad did with me, he uh, he didn't tell me, he didn't speak to me about the mental toughness, but he told me these trainings will make you tough. Like for example, he made me in the summer when I was ten years old, like in my summer training. There are two straight months where I would train without even one rest day uh, when I was 10 years old. And he would make me, he, he he put for me a running program. The running program would seem like the running pace was actually easy because it was a slow running pace. But he would make me do it at 2 p.m. under 40 degrees under the sun. <laughs> and the run was like 45 minutes an hour. So the run was not exhausting physically, but it was exhausting mentally because you had to, because the running was, because it was a boring run, because it was slow. Mm -hmm. And then he was like, I want you bored. I want you under the sun. I want you to, I I want you under these things because these things will make you tougher mentally. And uh, I didn't understand that at the time. Uh, I understood that later. And, um, but yeah, but uh, he didn't speak to me about how I can be strong mentally. I wouldn't have probably understood all these things at the time. It's just that looking back now i understand it yeah
0: well it sounds like he was creating the environment for you you know he was putting these things in place hot sun be bored long slow runs two months of constant training and that's obviously working on parts of your brain that you don't even understand that's happening and it's it's just cultivating there but that's always been the debate with with mental toughness and resilience are you born with it or does your environment create it? You know, it's probably a little bit of both, but do you, do you think, was there signs early on as a junior and as a young pro where, where you felt that you had mental toughness inside you?
3: Well, uh, I mean, I won the nationals under 11 in Egypt. I beat, I think I remember I beat Gawad in the quarters and I beat, a uh, bit Andrew Wagi in the final. Andrew, yeah, I played I with him that. a few matches in juniors and uh, a lot of matches, a lot of big matches in juniors. And, uh, and in the under 11, I was known I was known as a kid, not as the most talented. I was known as one of, if not the toughest out of them in terms of the mental side. Mm-hmm. And I remember I won this event. I think I was one love, seven, one down in the second and in the final to win the match. And I think my first ever title that I won under 11, I was two love, eight, six match point down when it was up to nine. So I had that in me when I was a kid, that, that, like I remember coaches used to bet on me that when I was 12 down that I could come back and win matches, actually from the under 11, under 13. So people all, always saw that in me when I was a kid. And I, I do believe that the environment help you. And I do believe yeah. that you, you need a bit of luck sometimes because these are things that gets put on you from when you're young, mm-hmm. uh, actually. And it's, it, it makes it harder to learn when you're older. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is a still a possibility to learn it. I'm not saying it's not, but it makes it harder, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and I think the environment when you're young is very, very important. How you're going to deal with your with the junior coaching, how tough you're going to make it. Are you going to go easy on him? When are you going to go easy on him? When are you going to go tough on him? All these things help shaping what kind of player he will be later in the professional circuit. Mm-hmm. Uh and how you want your player to be remembered for. Uh, I always wanted to be remembered as someone, if you go on court with me, it's going to be really, really tough. That's what I felt and what I would like the message to be sent every time I go on court. Um, Some other players, if I play Gawad, when I go on court, it's going to be an an unbelievable squash match. It's going to be a hard... I'll be outplayed squash-wise, but I need to beat him mentally. So it's all different styles and... um, But i do think the environment from when you're young makes a huge huge difference
0: yeah wow it's it's awesome to hear you say that and and just the way you can reflect back at at, you know being too loved down being match ball down as a junior and coming back and winning i just want to stay with that for for a little bit longer what was going on in your mind what what voice was in your mind when you're that far down can can you can you reflect back and think about how you were telling yourself a story or what was happening in those moments to be able to go right, I haven't lost this match, and I'm still going to go and get this win.
3: I think, I think, as I said, the environment. You know, I was the only kid coming from Alexandria. Uh, let's say I was not the most favorable to win these matches for the people, for the referees. So I always had things in me to wanting to win to make these people. I, I used to enjoy beating the other players when all the crowd was with them.
0: Proving me wrong. Proving wrong. Like
3: I remember in the juniors, I, when I left to England, I would only come back, for example, and play the event that was in Heliopolis. And I, I at that time, I didn't really play much tournaments in Egypt uh, because I moved outside, but I would come back and play the Heliopolis event because all my opponents were from Heliopolis. And I did enjoy beating them in their own home and making the crowd leave the court knowing that their player lost. I used to enjoy this. And that's just part of who I am, you know? And uh, I remember one of the events I played, Andrew in the final, while Faruk was the brother of Ali uh, there and just few other guys, they were all from Heliopolis, actually. So all the guys that played against were from there. So so I, so I, it just, uh, I think the way that I used to think when I was two left down, I, um, uh, I would think, no, like, w- I would look at the people seeing them happy. I would look at, at the people that wanting me to lose, you know, and then that would fire me, you know, and um, you gotta, you gotta always find something to fire you up. Everyone is different and the thing that can fire you. And that's what fired me up seeing someone, seeing the people that uh, want my opponent to win happy that seeing, th- seeing them happy, you know, so I I want to change this, you know, how can I change it is by fighting is by proving them wrong. And uh, that's the thing that I would think of when I'm, when I'm down to lockdown.
0: That's so awesome to hear the the way that you you knew yourself early on the way that you knew that trying to prove other people wrong was your big motivating factor and and I've heard that from from a few different people other people have different motivations for their mental toughness but knowing yourself that early and that young sounds sounds really powerful and you got it there and I, I just wanna I just wanna move forward a little bit now um looking. Looking at you as a young pro and and you know, I believe when I watched you as a young pro, you move the game forward to new levels with your pace and your intensity. Look, I was on the receiving end of a few of those once or twice. So you gave me a few. <laughs> <levels>. <laughs> I remember them clearly. I was like, I think there was a Wimbledon tournament once and I think I went two love up. And I've like, ah, I've got, I've got him now, you know, and I think you're only 16 or something and mate, you just came out with the most ridiculous pace after that. I've never seen anything <laughs> like it. So I, mean, I would like to know your mindset at that part of your career, you know, cause you did come on and you genuinely accelerated the game to new levels. So can, can you talk about that?
3: Well, a few years before me, there was Rami. So Rami did this when he was 16, 17 and I was 13 at the time. And I remember for, on Shabana's birthday, I sent him saying happy birthday and, thank, and I said, thank you for everything you did because you showed me the way when no one showed it to him before him. I know Shabana got to one number one, but actually we didn't have an Egyptian one number one before him. And it's harder always to be the first than the second. Mm-hmm. You know. He made it easier for the rest of us. You know? So I will just say, Rami made it easier for me. I wouldn't say it was easy. Of course, it was really difficult to just get success at 16, 17. But Rami made it more believable for me when I saw him doing it, uh, and, uh, and then when I was 16, 17, I, th- I think when I was 17, I played the World Champ in Manchester, when I go to the quarters, it was my first World Champ. I think I beat Hisham and Linku, and uh, Linku was World number 5, and um, I came through the quali, and I think, the thing, the thing about it, that every time I stepped on court with one of the big guys, I've always respected them as squash players, respected them as someone who is older than me, of the court. It is a difference between respecting them off the court and on the court in terms of someone older than you you know and on the court i i don't need to respect someone because he's older than me i need to respect you only because you're a squash player when you go on court in the profession it doesn't matter what age you are we're all equal we're all the same age you no know? but what tend other people to do is when i get someone who's much younger than me and play me there is sometimes so much respect that's given to me and and I have seen players when I was coming up through the ranking when I was 16, 17, who are the same age as me, would give so much respect. I've seen Gawad doing it again as the top guys when he was coming up through the ranking. Uh, I've seen other guys doing the same, to be honest. And, um, and, um, and I, don't, I, didn't, I never thought that was right. Uh, I, never thought, I always thought that if you go on court, it doesn't matter who you go against. You have a chance here to win. You have a chance to prove who you are. And, uh, and actually, the top guys respect you more when you go harder than them. You know, they, they they would show you that they, they, they don't like it. You know, they will, they will tell you, oh, what are you doing? You know, but at the same time in their, in their, in their mental, mentally, they'll be thinking this kid is coming for us. So when I came on tour at the beginning, I was like, what is the message I'm going to show these top guys? Am I going to show, am I showing them that am I going to just wait for my turn till they retire and then my turn will come? Or am I showing them? No. Yeah. This is maybe your time right now, but I'm trying to come and take your time away from you. You know, so so these are the kind of things that I thought of. And um, and it was hard because I, the first time I played Nick, Nick gave me a lesson. The first few times I played Greg, he gave me a lesson. All these all these guys gave me lessons, of course, at the beginning, because they knew the danger I was coming at them. You know, they, they knew the, the dangers. And if they didn't really give me that lesson, I wouldn't have liked that. You know, I wanted them to go hard at me, you know. Uh, and... Um, Till they accept that I am one of them, until I forced myself on them, and um, and, uh, and I'm talking about the group of Nick and Greg and and, and all that group, of course, and the, the group that actually taught me the game, really, you know, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, and then uh, and then slowly, slowly, when I became, of course, slowly, slowly, I started figuring them, figuring out how to beat them. Not just just once every time and time. I needed to figure out how to beat them on a consistent basis if I want to go to world number one. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, and luckily, I got better step by step, step okay. by step, but I got better at the end
0: you, you say luckily I, I think I think luck doesn't have a huge amount to play with this. Um, I think you create a lot of it, but I love a couple of things you say there the the idea of respect, respect off the court, respect for the other human being i I think that's such an important character trait that that I b- personally believe players should have. But once you step onto the court, I like the way you say that our age is equal, like the respect stops there in a way. Okay. You respect them as a squash player, but in regard to the fighting, in regard to showing who you are it sounds like you went into a different place mentally. You had that respect off the court, you walk on and we're here for battle. And, you know, watching you as a young pro and coming through, you could see that you could see you were, you're making yourself a nuisance to these people. You're making yourself known and, you know, like, yeah, fast forward a few years now and look where you're at, which is is (laughs) great to see. And so I'm also interested, um, you know, looking, looking at your career and what you've done, you seem to have surrounded yourself with very influential people and coaches throughout the years, can you share some of the main lessons that, that you've learned from these people and these individuals that that you know from the mental side or how they make you look at life as
3: well? I've always had someone in my team playing the older generation, uh, and the reason for that because I always believe the older generation were much tougher mentally than right now. Yes. Uh, um, they had less access, much less access to what we have right now. We have it much easier right now. In terms of nutrition, in terms of sports science. This older generation had to be so like if if we have niggles now, it's we understand how to get rid of them. You know, there are a lot of times we still play niggles, but but it's it's different how you you can actually play around them. You know, there are so much studies now. There's just so much sports science right now that you can use. You know, well before when you back in the early '90s, '80s, you know, these guys had none of what we have now. So they were forced to, have, to be strong mentally. They were forced to be really tough people, you know. And I've always wanted to have someone from that generation in my team because, because that generation, especially if if you're taking it easy on training, if you are not motivated, they will tell you. You know, they're, they're not going to be, it's okay, you can rest. It's okay, you can take a few days off. That's what happens now a little bit, I, I'm okay. honest, you know. But, but this generation are, don't accept it. Um, it's for, for them it was always the more the better which is which is right and wrong but I always take the good things from it and I leave the bad stuff from it because the more the better in few things is good, but in some other stuff is not good because you could get yourself injured as well, you yes. know, and that's what the sports science give us right now, you know, so, um, so even when I went to start working with Rod, you know, he, he told me like in our generation, the more, what, the more, what, the better, and that's why he got injured, for example, you know, he, and, um, and uh, when he was talking to me, he, he was like, yeah, that was good for us, that, that's what, what we had at the time, that was our mentality, Um And, uh, but at the same time, he didn't want me to do exactly what he did because he knew that what got him injured. And it was interesting because that was the same exact thing Jonah told me, he told me like, I train so bloody crazy that I don't have, I had to change my both hips, you know? And I would want you to train hard, like what I did, but smart. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's what Rod and um, Jonah told me, you know? And that's what I like about having someone from the older generation is because Mm -hmm. they they understand that side mentally, but at the same time, they understand that it's not a good idea to push the, physically the way that they did as well. You know? Well,
0: it sounds like you've used them, maybe this sounds a bit harsh, but like as a case study, you know, you've, you've looked at what they've done and you know, 20, 30 years before you and taken, like you said, their best bits and their, their work ethic and their ability to train. But then you've obviously observed the injuries and they say it, they say, Hey, we've got these injuries. This was, this was dumb. So uh, that's such a great way. No, I, I've not heard someone say it. Like you've said it, the way you surround yourself with that older generation, take the best bits from them. And then, but then bring in the sports science when you've got those niggles. Um, yeah. And it does, it sounds like it's, it's really paying off for you. And can you talk a little bit more about Hadrian stiff, because I believe he's been a massive influence in your life. And, you know, I, I think you, you, you're still working with him at the moment. Correct me if I'm wrong, but can you expand on that a little bit?
3: Hadrian, for me, the most important person in my team, actually, uh, for the last 10 years. Uh, yes, I have went to Palmer. I have went to, I'm working with Rod at the same time, obviously, as Hadrian. Uh, but Hadrian is the one that I spent, like, most years with. And every time I went to someone, it was always a discussion that happened first between me and Hadrian. The reason of why I say Hadrian the most important person has been in the last 10 years for me is because it's always tough for coaches to accept that your player is going to go to someone else. It's always hard. And I understand that, but Hayden has always made it more about the player. He understood that if I stayed the whole time in Bristol, uh, it's not going to be good. He, he wants to always coach me the way he wants me think that it's the right thing for me. And I think that this is the way always, and that's what I've been doing with him. Mm-hmm. But I think at the same time, it's good for me to leave and, and just see a different thing. And, and we both always took these decisions together and if he was a coach who was you know gets jealous or 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 or, or, or he doesn't have confidence in himself he wouldn't he wouldn't have thought it was a good idea for me to see something else but because he has confidence in himself he knew I would always come back you know I would always come back to Bristol because this is my base you know so uh, he was always good that whenever I went to Palmer the thing that Palmer was going to bring something different to my game. So I would come back and talk to Stiffy about it, to Hidden about it. And we would we would actually work on these things. So it becomes like a team thing. Uh, there was a lot of things with Rod that he wanted to change my to my game. Before Before I went to Rod, the reason why I went to Rod, because I want to make major changes to my game, to my technique, to the way I play. And that was not easy to do that at 28-29. And um and before I started with him, Rod told me like I want you to change in that, in that, and that, and that. And I'm not sure whether you, you are willing to do this. And I was like, Rod, why do you think I'm calling you? It's because I want to do these things. And so we wanted to do a lot of changes to my forehand, for example. And um, and obviously, I, I spent two months last year with with Rod. And obviously, this year there was a plans to go in the summer, to go in September. But obviously, these plans changed because of. Uh, actually, I was supposed to come to England in September, in, in the summer, actually, and. Uh, but uh, obviously the plan changed with COVID, but, uh, but, but at the same time with Hadrian, you know, these things that I, I learn, I'm learning from, we're working in mm-hmm. the same things with Hadrian, you know, we're trying to do these things. So Hadrian has been a very good listener. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's not just trying to teach me what he knows. He's, also, he's also learning new things. So it is. He sees it as when I go to other coaches, and himself learning at the same time, you know, and that's that's why I always say he, he's he's the most important person in my career because if he wasn't, if he didn't think this way, he could have made things a bit more difficult. Difficult for me, it would have made things a bit more sensitive if I go to someone else, you know what I mean? So, uh, so that's why he has been a major factor in my success.
0: That's that's so awesome for you to say that and 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 hear. And as you're saying that, what what it sounds like to me is is is. Hadrian's approach to you might have actually influenced the way you look at things as well in life because Hadrian's very open, very um, willing to... Uh, grow himself as a person and grow and learn along the way you know it sounds like he's also given you those mental tools to go away and then come back and it it, it sounds like such a great relationship and yeah look it, it it's evident from, from some of the results which is really cool so I'm super keen to get Hadrian on here and have a chat with him at some point which I'd love to and you know we we know each other kind of okay we've had a few beers a few times yeah um, um, you, you've touched on a few things here but I, I, w- I want to ask them maybe a bit later but this might lead to my next question is do you think you have evolved mentally later on in your career, and if so, how? You know, we talked a little bit about your your young mentality and you know, really making sure that that you know the, the older player knows you're there. Has this changed a little bit later on in your career? Do you think?
3: In the what you mean, like in the way I I, uh, I approach matches mentally, the yeah, city-
0: yeah, I think yeah, your mental approach to matches and and how you stepping on the court now as as a thirty year old compared yeah. to maybe when you were twenty one year old.
3: I, I played with so much intensity before when I was young coming up the ranking and uh, I still play with that intensity but in a passive-aggressive way I would say, you know uh, I can't shout after every point anymore, you know it, I can't do these things anymore I have to be more clever with it mm-hmm. uh, while before not 22, 21, you know yes, I did get one well number one at 22 yes, I played with so much intensity but that's what, what was required for me to do to get there Right now, if I do this, it's not going to even get me to top four. I had to adapt. I had to change things mentally. I had to look at things mentally. And I think the turning point was when I lost the world champion in Seattle to James in the third round. I was seeded one. I was going to win the world champ, my first world champ to win. I was seeded for it. And let's uh, just say that I was beating everyone for the world champ. And, uh, and after I lost to James in the third round, I had a flight for 12 hours back to home. Uh, the next day and uh, the whole flight i literally was just thinking what do i need to change and and i'm talking to here from a world number one i was still world number one uh yeah i had a loss but i still i still uh was the best player in the world at the time um but i was still thinking how can i change i need I i didn't lose this match because because of my squash I lost here because the way I approach things mentally things has something has to change and I started to realize that I need to change a little bit mentally I need to start to relax a little bit mentally uh look at things a bit different uh so I started to so I went to Hong Kong actually literally the week after and um I started to just um, go on court with a, rela- a much more relaxed approach uh instead of uh just going on court, taking all everything on me, you know, being really, sometimes get really angry quite fast, uh, losing my temper, you know, all these things, you know. And uh, I started to take it as a relaxed approach. Uh, if, things, if, if a decision happened, I, I would just smile at it, you know, stuff like this. And, uh, and I ended up winning five four Series in a row after. Yeah, actually, home to UC. I won all of them that season. And, uh, uh, and that, that year actually changed me for the rest of my career. That loss in Seattle, actually, it changed me. The things I, I, I approached things mentally. And Hedrian helped me a lot with that because he's so opposite to me, actually, uh, mentally. But at the same time, I had to change my mental side to be relaxed. I'm, I'm not saying that I'm relaxed as him, but I had to go that path a little bit mm-hmm. and start to see that my generation was starting to come at me. Mm-hmm. Ali was starting to come at me. Gawad was starting to come at me. My brother was. And that was a different time. I had to realize that was a different time, different players. And uh, if, I, um, if I didn't change mentally, you know, it, it would have been hard for me to deal with them, to accept that I was playing with Nick and Greg and they were not even playing professional. Now they're beating me. They're beating me here. They're beating me here. How am I going to take this? You know, if, if, if I still took it with the same approach, I would have lost a lot of confidence. So yeah. I had to realize that they're great players. I'm a, I'm, I am going to lose to them. Mm-hmm. But how can I beat them for most times? you know, and, uh, yeah. and yeah, and yeah, I think I've done a good job at it, but I think every phase of my career I had to adapt.
0: Mm. Well, you hear that, like, and hearing you at world number one, having that conversation with yourself to go, you know what, I'm world number one, I maybe should have been world champion then. And to actually reinvent yourself a little bit, you hear it, you know, I think Novak Djokovic did it when he was number one or two in the world. And you've got other sports men and women doing the same thing because for me that's the sign of that the true greatness is is what's that saying if you're standing still you're going backwards so if you were happy to stay at number one and go I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing the whole time. You've made the point that you're recognizing other people are coming at you now and closing the gap and you, and you almost, well, I'll say almost that loss, you said really changed the way you looked at things and approached it in a more mentally soft type of way. And, and, and it took yeah. work to do. So man, amazing to hear that from you. Cause yeah, that's, that's, that's the message. Hopefully we can get to more players out there to get them to think about it. Um, so I'm curious, do you practice visualization?
3: Uh, not as much as I should really uh, but I but before every match um, before ma- before every match I do definitely I have to always see things before that happen I always um, when you go on a match is not just not, not doesn't mean that you train hard you're gonna win the match uh, there are a lot of things that can really affect the result of a match mm-hmm. a decision mm-hmm. uh, a block from your opponent that you off uh, a, a double bounce that you thought it was a double bounce you, all these things can put you off and make you lose a match and then all the training gone and mm-hmm. has lost you know but it's important that you see these things before they even happen in the match you, mm-hmm. you visualize and and watch and and play the match in your head with the good scenarios and the bad scenarios so when the best scenarios happen in the match oh i've seen it already it's fine i'm prepared you know uh for example, before I played Gawad in the final of Manchester, I um, I did visualize myself losing that first game, and I did visualize that I'm going to go through hell in the second game. But I also saw that if I get through that second game, I have him mentally for the rest of the match. Nice. And and if I didn't visualize that before the match, there there was no way after losing the fir- the first game, I would have I would have fought clever. I would have probably fought stupid you know, and lost energy during the match. So I had to visualize the situation that happened. I had to visualize Gawad hitting amazing shots before the match Mm -hmm. and still accepting uh, that I would look like a fool sometimes, but the most important is to win the last point of the match. So visualizing have helped me a lot in my career, definitely. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think there is a lot to explore in that department that I think I should as well. Uh, Not just doing it before matches, definitely. Yeah
0: yeah i know that for me this is this is the whole concept of squash mind i'm I'm putting together lessons and visualizations for you know situations before match or a week before match visualizing good visualizing bad putting solutions in place and you know i think the the research in 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 the science and the brain scanning they're doing on people now it does show the visualizations are positive hearing from yourself that you do it hearing from other athletes it is a big thing um And yeah, it's, it's great to hear that you are doing it obviously before the match and going through those situations. For me, it is, is super powerful and I'm not sure if this links a little bit, but what rituals do you have and why, um, you know, for me, the the pointing to your head is your classic one, you know, in the moments when it seems like real big moments, do you have certain rituals maybe pre-match or on the court? Can, Can you talk on that?
3: Um, I mean, to be honest, uh, I have always I've always uh, not had something particular that I need to do to get me back on track again, Um, because every situation is different. I had to adapt. I had to have many things, not just one thing that reminds me because there are, there are moments in the match where you lose focus and you need something that reminds you to get that focus back again. There are a million things I could do to get that focus back again. There are a million rules in this question you can use to get that focus back again. You know, the, it's just that I would rather do something about it when I lose the focus than just letting it slip and lose the game. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so uh, I would, there, there are moments when I'm losing focus where I just, I'll talk to the referee a little bit. I'll just tie my shoelace. I I'll I'll talk to my opponent a little bit. Uh, I, you you would do anything. Lishi. There is not just one particular thing. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of things. A lot I've seen a lot of other players doing other stuff too. You know, and it's all within the rules. Really, uh, there is nothing wrong in doing them. But it's just a way of trying to get that focus back again, and not mm-hmm. things slip away. And I think the best player in the world in the world they they know quicker than other when things are slipping away uh some other players players realize things when it's too late mm-hmm. um and um and yeah it, it's 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 uh it's hard to, to see things when they're slipping away because that is a moment when your focus is not there mm-hmm. so you still need to be focused to understand that things are slipping away you know mm-hmm. uh, so you're basically trying to figure out that things are slipping away while you're not focused you know <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and it's hard uh, yeah. but uh but there are so many things
0: so yeah just that, that's, that's such an interesting way you put it because the, the classic refocusing is you know maybe going and wiping your hand on the wall or, or talking to yourself mentally but it sounds like you actually break break the rhythm or, or or you do something different you know chatting to the ref talking to your opponent it sounds like you more break the cycle of the lack of focus is, is that what you say you think
3: yeah because if i if i just have one thing then my opponents will know that the, the, like how many times do you, how many times do I think Ali watch me million times how many times did I watch Ali million times if Ali like, like I know that when Ali say yalla 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 I know I'm in trouble basically you know <laughs> like every player know that not in trouble like like, but like you would know that Ali is going to step up the pace it's going to be hard to win a point the next I don't know the next 15-20 minutes it's going to be brutal you know uh, every player obviously I'm just I just I just came into my mind because he the rival really I had to play so many the last period but, but if, I always felt like if I had just one thing that I rely on the players will know what it is they will see it so I have to have different things That's and,
0: nice. I like that
3: yeah you have to have different things and and, and not just have one particular thing uh, and uh, yeah and uh, I, I don't think there will be something that the player can say about me where oh, Shubaki, when he does this you know that you're gonna be in trouble the next period you know what I mean yeah because there are so many things I do that if I do this that means that yeah I will focus the next period but I just keep having a lot of options that's all
0: Perfect. That's great advice. And yeah, anyone listening can hopefully take it and, and come up with their big options. So I'm, I'm curious to know what's your approach to methods and building and working and cultivating your mind, say away from the courts. Sports psychologist might be one, or do you do things around your training environment that, that cultivates this good mindset you have?
3: You know, what's actually interesting that as much as people think that my my strengths on court was mentally, I have never had one psychologist in my life. Oh, wow. Actually, it's always been me actually but i've always believed that my best psychologists are the people i trust around me i've always surrounded myself by people that i really really trust and i go all the way with them and i've always been open to talk to them about anything and i'm not talking about 10 people around me i'm talking about literally two or three you know and and they're not psychologists by job But they're actually my psychologists in life, you know, in terms of, you know, them understanding me more than anyone else. And I have always been willing through, even through tough situations, it's always hard for guys to show signs of weaknesses. It's just something that guys have in them, you know. And it's not easy when guys are going through a hard time to speak. It's not easy to get things out of them, you know. But I have actually been easy to talk to when I'm going through a hard situation. I've always spoke easily about uh, a time where I found it hard um, uh, and uh, I've always had these people to talk to and it's important to have people around you you cannot do it by yourself mm. you can get to a certain level by yourself but you always need people you trust around you to, to talk to and they stay with you in the journey and people that you trust and luckily I've had that and they were they were my real psychologists really you know yeah. <laughs> and uh, they're yeah. the one that really helped me to be shaped who I am
0: Yeah, I love what you say there, because uh, again, I I think obviously sports psychologists are amazing and they're well-intended, but you know what? I I think sometimes the the more impact is the people that are are on the ground with the person, in the trenches, fighting with them. And they might not have studied or read journals or have like a massive knowledge of the science of psychology. But like you said, it it sounds like relationships is a big one, having a relationship with someone and and having that full trust. Everyone-
3: everyone is different too. Like, like I remember I spoke to Nicole once and uh, she used to take her psychologist with her in tournaments and she told me she, she probably wouldn't have won as much started unless her psychologist was in her life. So, so every athlete, you, you got, every athlete need to find what works for them. Uh, don't get me wrong. I did speak to a psychologist once or twice in my life when I was young and I just, it didn't feel, I just, someone I didn't know, you know, I'm just going to tell him everything about my life. I just didn't feel comfortable with that. I would rather Speak to someone I know, you know. Mm-hmm. So it just everyone need to find his comfort zone and what they, not his comfort zone. That's not the right thing because it's important to get out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Every athlete need to see what works for them. I would say, you know, and uh, and see what works for them, yeah.
0: But it sounds like just on that comfort zone, you know, there's probably there's probably periods of your life where you do need to be comfortable. You need to be your own person. You know, maybe those conversations and relationships when things are difficult actually you might need that little bit of a, a comfort blanket and, and something quite relaxed and calm, would you say?
3: It's important to be your own person sometimes off the court. On court, uh, I'm willing to be any person to win the match. Uh-huh. And it's important to understand how to be any person to win the match. If you're just only your character, then I, like for me, I know my opponents. I For me to beat my opponents, I need to know how they play, how they talk, how they smile, what brings them off the court. What how they talk in the interview after the match? I need to study everything they do. It's not just about the squash player. It's my job. If if I own a business, I need to know how these people, the people I'm going to hire, I need to know their characters of the work and in the work. It's just the same as squash. When I it's important when I watch, let's say, an op- one of my rivals playing, I don't just close the match when it's finished. It's important for me to hear the interview. Uh, for and uh, for, for, for for example, I remember I played Tarek once in the final of Qatar Classic. It was it was the first uh, final for it it was the first platinum final for Tarek. Um, and uh, I didn't watch the match because I was with the physio. I just won my semis. And after the match finished, I told him, "Can you just wait for a second? I need to see that interview." I saw Tarek crying, happy that he won the semis. I closed the interview straight away. I knew I won the final
0: amazing because
3: that was for me that's someone who was so happy he got to the final and that was the goal for him to get to his first platinum event While for me when i won my first semi-final for well for my first when for me when i reached my first final platinum event I, I didn't cry from happiness i just spoke that i'm looking forward to win my final tomorrow which was against nick actually it was my first it was in qatar too i beat darwish in the semis three love and um, and and I was looking forward to beat Nick in the final. And Nick, the week before, won the world champion Manchester, actually. Uh, and I was only 21. Um, so because I was in these situations, it's, uh, it's important to see and understand these things. So from just one interview after his final, I knew I had him in the final. I just knew I won the final. Even though that the final, I actually didn't play that great. Because I had a lot of tough matches in the tournament. I think I beat Firas, Ali, and Greg in three days in a row. Something like this. And it was a tough, brutal draw. So... Uh, so, but in the final, it was always about who win the last point. So it was it's all of these things you need to just understand the rivalry play with them as a people before as squash players because yeah. everyone had a breaking point and to understand their breaking point, you need to know who they are.
0: Um, Muhammad, you just, it's fascinating to hear you talk like that and, and it, it really resonates to the stuff I'm trying to get to do. It's a couple of things there. You, you obviously treat this as your job. That's super obvious, but it sounds like you're the CEO of a, of a, of a massive company and you look at all those fine details, all those moving parts. How can we make something 1% better over here? And actually, can we make 1% better there? And, you know, watching interviews of players, studying players, it sounds like you're, you're such a deep thinker and, and you go to these really deep attention to detail areas of your life. And, yeah, look, it's, it's something that sounds like you've cultivated for so long. And, and just hearing your your brain work and talking about that is, is fascinating. Hopefully, you're not giving too many secrets away with this. So
2: <laughs> which no, is- no,
3: it's fine. Honestly, like, at the end of the day, I, I can say these things. There is a big difference between saying them and actually doing them. So... <laughs> 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 so, uh,
0: okay. yeah. so I'm, I'm curious because because the, there was a very interesting point in your career I, th- I think building up to it you had like an amazing run it's, it was that 2016 2017 little dip you had but i'm curious about that bounce back because then after that you it was ridiculous again so can you talk about that that phase and and what do you think you put in place for that that the, the ability to bounce back so well
3: the 16 17 season was a very very tough season uh we had a lot of personal problem me and my brother. Not, not between me and my brother. My parents were going closely through a divorce. There was a lot of big family problems we had. And, uh, you know, like me and my brother were like 22. He was 20, I think. Uh, or like I think I was 24. I mean, and he was 22, something like this. And um, it was a hard time for us. It was just, we were going through something in life that a lot of people go through really, you know. And, but at the same time, when you see your parents having a lot of, not a very good time, you know? It was hard for us as their kids to see this. And it affected my season, to be honest. Um, and then when I finished the season, uh, not, not not finished the season, and it affected my season till May. And then in May, um, I sat with uh, with a friend and, um, and that friend kind of made me look at things a friend that actually went through something similar in his life too. And, um, and he made me look at situations a bit differently. He made me, he told me something that is very, uh, that I, I take by till today. Stop forcing things to happen. May, just let things happen. And that just may, made me think completely different, not just in regarding that situation.
2: Hmm.
3: It was in a lot of other situations in life. Uh, and then, uh, And then from that moment, I was like, "I'm gonna." I I had uh, um, I had World Series final the month after, and I finished that season with a win. I beat I think Ali and James. A bit few great. I beat Rosen in the semi, so I I won this event, and I was still not nowhere near where I can play, how I can play. Uh, But I was getting ready for next season as well. Um, I think it was Guna in April. uh, It was the big moment when I um lost to my brother in 19 minutes. Uh, I lost to my brother in uh, 19 minutes and then on the way back, literally five minutes with my sweaty t-shirt. I texted uh, Holly from Canada because she was training with Palmer. And I told her, can you please send me Palmer's phone number? That's when I decided to go to Palmer. And uh, I spoke to Palmer and uh, on the phone, obviously we never knew each other that much. We played each other against each other actually once before he retired. (laughs) And, uh, but uh, I told him I've had a, I just lost to my brother in 19 minutes. This is completely not acceptable for me. Things need to change. And I'm looking for things to be different for next season. Uh, and I'm interested to go to you and see how things are and train with you. Hmm. And then he was excited. And we were both excited to work with each other. But before that phone call finished, I told him that I was world number three at the time. I told him, David, I don't accept three. I don't accept two. I only accept one. The reason I told him this because I wanted him to understand what kind of mentality coming from um and um in the summer when I was training, I was telling my mom on the phone, I'm going back to all number one next season. Uh I I used to tell her that because there were a lot of people saying that I was finished. My generation, Gawad was the big was coming, Ali was coming, you know, everyone was saying that my time was done, you know, my next the next generation was coming next, you know. And then I spoke to my mom and I told her in the summer, listen. People are saying that I'm finished when my bad season was going back from world number one to world number three. When any of these players would have taken that season of mine, you know, so that's the kind of expectations people think of me. I'm gonna show everyone what I'm going to do next season. I'm gonna show that next season. I'm gonna show my generation that they're nowhere near where they still need to be to be at the top. And then I started with San Fran, uh, and I had Jawad in the final, and I was looking forward to play him. And I beat him three-love, and I after this match I told my mom I didn't just beat him. I think I'm this win is gonna affect him mentally yeah. because I yeah. I just I just I just showed him that uh, what you did last season is gonna be nowhere near as brutal that was gonna happen for the next five six years of our career together. You nice. know, and, and that's the kind of mentality I wanted to put at him. Yeah, uh, I think he had a bad season that year actually, Gawad. He didn't have a good maybe he had some other injuries and stuff. But I just I just I just did feel that that win was gonna cost him a lot mentally, you know. And I think the week after he lost to Paul first round in the US Open, um, uh, when Paul was still ranked number 25-30, he wasn't supposed to lose to Paul at the time. And then I had uh, Ali the US Open, which was the next test. And then Ali beat me 3-1 in the final of the US Open. But because I knew the hard training I had in the summer, I knew when you work hard and you know what you can do, one loss is never going to affect you you know, because it's never about one match. It's always about who can actually survive with me in a season. It's, you can get me in a day, but it's brutal to stay with me in a season, you know, and it's brutal to stay with me one season after another, after another, after another, because I'm going to be always there, you know, and yeah, you can get me a few days a year, but get try and get me for the rest of your career. That's the war. That's the real war I put you with me, you know, and uh and then after I lost to Ali in the US, when I think I got him the week after in Channel Faz. And then I got him again in Hong Kong. Um, and then I got him in the World Series finals in Dubai. Um uh, I I gave the message that season that I'm nowhere near as finished. Uh I'm still the best player in the world. And I was just giving myself a break a little bit. That's <laughs> not giving myself a break, but I was just I was just a human being going through a problem. Mm. But that year that I went through a problem as well matured me as a person. So uh, of even after I came back the season after, any problem I faced after that in my life, I knew how to deal with things. I knew how to separate things. I knew how to not let things affect my squash anymore. Um, and yeah, and it ended up being a good year. That year that yeah. I got back number three, it ended up a great year. And actually it sets things for me as a human being before a squash player in my life to how to deal with problems in life and not let it affect the main things in life uh yeah that's what happened
0: oh mohammed awesome i'm sitting here getting goosebumps hearing that thank you so much for sharing that so so much comes out of that for me i thank you for sharing some some personal stuff i know it's obviously not very easy and really respect that you're able to do that um secondly what your friend said reminds me of of something i try and subscribe to a lot it's a stoic quote where it says we don't control what happens we control how we respond and, and, and for yeah. me, it sounds similar to that. I, I think it's so important to get into our minds that there's so much out of our control, but let's control what we can control. And, and that makes a big difference. And then also, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like your, your junior days there, the ability to prove people wrong, going, hey, you know what? I'm here now, but you know what? If you want to stay with me through this season, I'm gonna prove everyone wrong. World number three, it's not good enough. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make the plan to get back to world number one. And if you think I'm gonna accept world number three, not great. And then last thing that came out of that is is that idea of you losing to your brother so quickly and getting on the phone so quick to be able to address the situation. You could have been excused to go, actually, you know what you can, you can be a bit sad, a bit depressed, take a week off, go get KFC and McDonald's every day. But that wasn't your mindset at that point. Was it, it was like, I've got to address this now.
3: Think about that. I had few many losses and my brother lost topped it off. It wasn't just, it it wasn't because I lost tomorrow. It was because I lost in 19 minutes. Hmm. You know, I mean, I, 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 like, if I'm going to lose a match, I'll make it tough at least, but not 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I, I think uh, it was during that season as well, Greg beat me in the TBC with that famous match. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that match broke me as well. Mm-hmm. On top of the stuff that I was going through, personal, off the court, uh, Greg beat me at a competitor. And I only blamed myself for that loss that day, to be honest. I have never blamed anyone else except myself. Greg used a weapon on court that he had to use to beat me that day, you know, whether he had to fake an injury, whether he had to act like he couldn't walk, you know, all these things. It doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, there was one loser and one winner. He was the winner. I was a loser. I had to take that as a man. You know, I never went about it on social media. I never went about it that what happened was bad or anything. I just told myself one thing if i'm gonna play greg again i will never lose to him again that's how i took it wow. and i actually never lost to him again actually after that match um obviously he was 34 as well you know <laughs> i mean he was still playing at a really really high oh, level I probably if that, that he, yeah. but probably if i said that he would never beat me again when he was 28 he would have still probably still beaten me you know? <laughs> but it would have been but he was still obviously playing at a high level at 34 he was still I mean, when he did this, he, he got back to world number one at that age, you know. <laughs> um, but um, I think the next time I played him, I beat him three love. It was 12-10, 11-9, 11-2. It was something like 62-minute match, and I did two errors the whole match. Wow. The whole match in 62 minutes. And I'm known for making errors. But that's what he made me – that's how he made me improve, because of that match, he made me improve as a person and as a squash player. I saw this as a positive. I have never seen it as a negative, actually. you know, um, And he exposed me in that match. And I can bet how many people were happy to see me load that way that day. How many people were laughing at me. The crowd. Uh, Greg, his team, my other rivals, my own generation. I can bet you 100%. Everyone was so glad to see me losing that way. But they were not but they didn't know what was coming after as well you know (laughs) they didn't know what was coming after and uh, and all these things were makes the sport exciting actually it makes everyone get better in a way you know and um, and yeah and um, yeah it was just uh, it was just a tough time but looking back at it I always say if I didn't have these moments in my career my uh, my career would have been boring
0: yeah oh man hearing you say that again is brilliant and, and I'm, I'm just sitting here just absorbing this because that match against greg uh, you know so many people took to took, took to social media you know the sign of yourself you didn't moan about it you didn't complain about it you know you, you you actually used it as as feedback it's a sentence i use a lot with my players failure is feedback so every bit every time you fail every time you receive
3: failure the people with the strongest minds actually, it actually reminded me sort of actually reminded me as well in the world series finals when i went that season uh, 5 months after that you see, there was the players award who were the best player of the year who were the best match my match was Greg and cc was chosen at the best match of the year okay actually it was chosen at the best match of the year when this match was chosen at the best match of the year everyone in the room looked at both of us and smiled wow. <laughs> everyone I smiled that day, I smiled when that happened. I obviously didn't understand what is the criteria of choosing the best match of the year, really, you know, because that match was not really about squash, it was about other stuff that happened in the match, really, you know, um, but uh, but the crowd loved it. And imagine New York and Grand Champs, they absolutely loved what happened, obviously. And Greg is funny he's a character. If it had to come from someone, and people will love it. Probably if any other player did what Greg did that day, they would have actually hated him. But because it became, it came from Greg, people loved it, you know? know? And probably if I was not the one, if I was watching, I would have probably loved it too, you know? (laughs) Uh, But when we were in the World Series final and that happened, I smiled, I went back to the room, uh, and I was so angry. And I called my mom, the first person I called her. I called my mom, I told her, I'm going to win this tournament. I'm overweight and I'm still not back to where I should be. I'm going to win this tournament. And these guys that are all smiling, I'm going to make sure none of them is going to smile next season. Oh, wow. That's exactly what happened. I was so angry. And then next year, the same exact time, I was chosen the best player of the world. I was chosen, as, I was regarded as the best player of the season. Mm-hmm. I took that trophy and I went outside. Actually, no one knows. I went outside and just went behind and cried (laughs) because I remember what happened last year. Everyone smiled at me and laughed at me. And this year I'm smiling at all of them and laughing at all of them, you know? So, it's all these things you know at a squash player that i actually made me motivated uh, and i'm sure that other guys had similar stuff in their career what what, what motivated them i'm just telling my own story, you know
0: <laughs> oh, and that's yeah that, that's what we want to hear and um, thanks for sharing again it's, it's but that's amazing a year later you 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 were in that position where okay you you're being not laughed at but people were just you know reliving that match that that obviously was was very strange and difficult and awkward and then a year later, you've just gone, I've proven you wrong again. So I'm, I'm definitely getting a theme of, I, I want to prove the world wrong, you know, from from <laughs> now you, you've got that inner inner drive to do that. And, and it sounds amazing. Um, so I've got three questions from players. Um, questions when, when they knew I was going to chat with you, some of the players, the juniors that I'm working with, just went oh, crazy, oh, like crazy. <laughs> so um, you can go through these relatively quick if you want. But first question from one of the players is, um, when that inner voice is negative and doubtful, what do you do?
3: Um, it's uh, it's it's remember the things that made you motivated in the first place, uh, because it's easy when you're in the match, when you when you're inside the match, it's uh, easy to think negative. Uh, it's actually easier to think negative than positive, really, uh, especially when you're tired, especially when your opponent is winning and all these things. But that's when you need to remember why do you want to win today why are you here uh, what motivates you uh, what message do you want to send across do you want your opponent to be too easy do you want him to be too hard uh, what message do you want to leave behind when you finish your career and uh, and um, yeah and uh, i think when you you have all these negative thoughts it's important to remember what motivates you
0: mm. Great advice, really good advice. Because yeah, I think um juniors suffer from it a lot. You know, that negative inner voice comes in and it, you know, destroys the match and destroys the next tournament. And and yeah, having having some way to combat it is really
3: juniors as well. The most important thing for me was I know I had a lot of success as a junior, but I have never said that my aim was to win the British Junior. I've always said that the British Junior is a step to make me the best player in the world one day. The main goal is never to be the best. The goal was never to be the best junior in the world. The goal was to be the best player in the world. And being the best junior in the world doesn't mean you're going to be the best player in the world. It just means that it's another step toward that main goal. Mm -hmm. So... Anything that happened in junior, even if you lose a match, I always took it in a way. Okay, that's just another match I'm going to learn from. So I don't do that mistake when I actually go to the real world and the professional scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's important It's important as a junior, the most important thing is to just learn all the time. Mm,
0: I love that. Yeah, like like what was that other saying? Um, I never lose. I I, I, I I either win or I learn, you know? So it's yeah. like if you lose and, and you just, you, you go like your example of losing to your brother in 19 minutes, you learned so much by the sounds of that match and quickly you changed and, and you adapted. Um, so, yeah. the second question is What is your strategy when you have started bad and find yourself, say, seven or eight, one down in the first?
3: Depends on the situation, obviously. It depends on who I'm playing against. It depends on a lot of other things. Uh, uh, I mean, when you're seven, eight, one down, if uh, well, it depends on the situation. It depends, like, obviously, you, it's never a great idea. let a game slip you know uh because unless you're you're really exhausted and you really need that energy for the next game uh other but if fine and you just found yourself seven one down eight one down because of just a loss of focus then at that time the mentality for me is never also is never about winning that game it's about actually investing in the next game you know, investing in the match. Okay, I'm going to make the end of that game really, really tough for him So I can invest that at the end of the match. I have the upper hand in terms of the physical side. Hmm. Uh, I can, I'm can. i going to try to make it tough for him mentally to win the rest of the game. And someone who was really good at that was Nick Matthew. Hmm. I learned that a lot from Nick Matthew. Actually, was really, It was never finished whenever he was. A2 up, A3 up against him. It was never finished. You still had to fight. He never made... You're, he, may, he never made you mentally relax in the match. You had to always fight mentally, even when you're like 10 love up, and um, and that actually exhausts you. Uh, mm-hmm. Even even if you are 10 to up and then you end up winning the game 11-4,
4: mm-hmm.
3: you go off court exhausted. You know, but I played other guys where I'm 10 to up and then I win the game, let's say 11-3, 11-4, and go up not exhausted because the guy just let the game slip at the end. You know, so it's important that you still fight when you're down uh, because uh, your opponent still needs 33 points to win the match, right? He, he needs to win three 11 games. So, so if he wins that game, that doesn't mean he won the match. But mm-hmm. you're trying to figure out how, how 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 I am going to win the match, and to do that, you you still need to be switched on when even when you're 7-1, 8-1 one, one down.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. Leave leave a scar on your opponents. Let, let them know you're there. You know, even if you don't even get another point, let yeah. them know that you are going to be an absolute nuisance and, and you set the tone for that, that, that third or second game. Um, and last question from one of the players. Um, talking about your current rivalry with Ali. Um, how are you currently approaching this? Where where are you at in your mind and 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 how you how are you thinking about it?
3: Yeah, Ali is obviously a very, very hard player to play, very, very hard to beat uh he's a very clever guy he learns very quickly and that's why he got to the top very quickly uh because he's he's a he's a guy who sings positively uh and i like that about him actually he's someone who actually inspires me a lot and i actually learn a lot from him i always believe that the most people that you learn from are, are your rivals because they're the most that actually Uh, get your weaknesses out actually so I learned a lot from him because there are so much weaknesses he got out of me probably more than a lot of other players and he made me go back and work on my weaknesses you know and improve as a squash player and I hope I I am doing the same to him too Uh, I think our rivalry in the last four years have have um, have been good for our sport we have played a lot of great finals I think the last 12 meetings against each other have been all in finals Um, and I think uh, he is definitely the longest rival. I've had a lot of rivals in my career, but he is the longest rival I've had in my career, definitely. Like uh, for so many years, like with Nick and Greg, I kind of. I got them when they were like 29, 30, 31, you know? So I was with them. I I fought with them for like good three, good three, four years on a consistent basis. Mm -hmm. But with Ali, we've been together because we are the same generation. It's like, I felt like the rivalry with Nick and Greg was getting me ready for the rivalry with Ali, you know? and I think the rivalry with Ali is getting both of us ready for the next generation of Asal, you know, yeah. <laughs> Asal and Yusuf Ibrahim, who just beat me in Qatar, you know, oh, and Yao here in Bristol with us to train. So that generation, there are a lot of great players. So, But like looking at Ali, you know, he's he's one of the best mover I had to come across to play against. And it's so hard, you know, I've seen some of your figures actually, and I've actually sent you a message regarding you talking about how Ali moves and uh, I told you how much we work on that, me and Stiffy here. And that's because Ali, we, we love watching him. We love actually seeing his move and how smooth he is. And uh, I love watching his game. And um, But at the same time, he is, he's the enemy in a way. I try to beat him. You know, we get along well, but I try to beat him all the time. He tries to beat me all the time. And uh, whenever, before I go on court with him, you know, I know if I'm going to beat him, it's, it's I have to play beyond my best. And I make sure that if he's going to beat me, I'm going to take him beyond his best. And what that's what trifles do to each other. Yeah. Uh, and, and so far, I, I I do think he is... Uh, he's by far way better than everyone else right now. Mentally, physically. I've seen him lose a few matches in the beginning of that season when I uh, didn't play. Obviously, that last season in the events in Egypt. But I, I've watched all his matches. I've watched all the other matches, really. Uh, I've seen him lose a few times here and there. But... Uh, I have not really seen someone who can really beat him in a, in a season. I've seen players who can beat him on the day. I've not seen someone who can beat him on a season. Um, and um, that's what Ali does, really. He, he might not be the best squash player. I might not be the best squash player. Probably Gawad is the best squash player uh, in terms of just playing squash. You know, he's the most talented. But in terms of really who is the most consistent, who is the best player... I know that if I want to be the best, if I want to be the whole number one, I need the guy to be it, really. Mm. Yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty sure he knows that if he wants to stay there, I'm the enemy he needs to get rid of as well, you know. And, and um, yeah, there is so much respect. Uh, I think at the beginning, our relationship didn't start great as well, you know. <laughs> but I think because, uh, uh, but I think uh, after that, because we had so many battles together, the respect grew. Mm-hmm. And we started actually to get along well with each other. And, um, and yeah, he's someone I, I, I really, really admire. But um, I actually can't wait to come back and play events again. And I hope to play him soon because yeah. he, he pushes me beyond anyone else
0: oh man well geez me for one and probably the whole squash community is, is probably just salivating hearing you talk like that and and that that the way you obviously respect each other the way you build each other's game but also at the end of the day you you, you want to kill each other i unfortunately like you get on the court and, and you are both massive competitors so it's going to be fascinating and i wasn't going to ask this question but i just want to touch on it really quickly um before we close um, I, I heard, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you're, you're looking at maybe reinventing your movement a little bit, you know, maybe getting a bit late in your career, you're looking to possibly lighten up. Can you talk on that for
3: a bit? No, of course, I've, I've always been looking to change things in my life, lo- my game in different times because every time I played in my career, there was uh, different players I had to compete against. Competing against Nick and Greg is different than competing against Ali and Gawad and Tariq and my brother and all these guys. <sighs> Probably in, in a year or two and as I'll start to compete in a consistent basis at the top, I would say, and Yusuf and Yao and all these guys really, it will take a different kind of training to play against these guys too, which, I, which I I'll figure out when I have to. Uh, but uh, right now, I obviously when you when you play against someone who's one of the best mover in the world, it he forces you to improve your movement. Mm-hmm. I know I will I'll probably never get as good as Ali in terms of movement, but I can try and get as better as I can. Um, yeah, I just felt like always in my movement was a part of my game where I could have improved. Uh, I think that we do a lot of work with Steffi here to try and improve my movement. Uh, I think one of the things that made me really focus on my movement, other than any time else, is having to actually try and beat Ali as well, because he's mm-hmm. one of the best mover in the world, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and that's what your rivals do to you. They ask. They ask you to train out of your comfort zone because it's definitely out of my comfort zone. And that's what he did to me, he's making me train out of my comfort zone. And very, really, really, very few rivals I had that made me train out of my comfort zone, but definitely Ali was one of them.
0: Mm, Amazing, wow. Yeah, we look forward to seeing how that that might've changed. So in closing, you've been absolutely brilliant generous with your time um i've sat here as a fan just absorbing this but i think this may be the most important question of the day so i've managed to get some inside knowledge on you and and i'm not sure if you're going to like this but um i've been told about your new ps5 and how you've become a little bit obsessed with fifa ultimate team so (laughs) can you can can you tell us about this because i've heard it's become a a big part of your life
3: i'm 100 sure my brother is the one who told about this (laughs) Uh, I wouldn't say it's a big part of my life, really. It's, um, I, 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 like, I like playing PlayStation. I like playing with friends and stuff. And I only started playing Ultimate Team actually from last week. For the first time in my life
0: yeah I, I played it years ago and, and i need to get I, i'm planning on getting a ps5 myself and updating myself so hey well but i don't think to...
3: i'll not go that far that i'll take the playstation with me to thomas like uh, <laughs> like my brother took his playstation with him to qatar gawad sometimes take, gawad take the playstation with him ali take the PlayStation with him i'm not as addicted as that okay. but i remember <laughs> one of the world series finals we played once playstation me and ali and gawad, We all had a playstation we all went to each other and played together and stuff nice. that's like three years ago or something
0: <laughs> <laughs> amazing yeah. like it is it's it's a great addictive game and it was it was just a bit of a fun question to finish on um but i prefer mba just...
3: i prefer mba oh, yeah.
0: okay which oh, which <laughs> one are you playing <laughs> yeah. The moment?
3: yeah sorry which 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 version are you playing mba 2k Yeah, that's my favorite yeah, yeah it's yeah. actually my favorite game mba 2k yeah. oh okay why yeah.
0: why is that more than fifa
3: I'm a big NBA. Fan. I'm a big NBA fan. It's uh, I would say it's my favorite sport really. So okay. sure. I really watch a lot of NBA. I like I like uh, I like the athletes. I just they're huge. They're strong. They're fast. They're really proper athletes. I'm a big LeBron fan as well. So I, and I really, really watch like NBA I quite LeBron,
0: LeBron, your man. Are you are you Cavaliers fan then?
3: Uh, he's Lakers now, right? Okay, <laughs> yeah. okay. uh,
2: I'm,
3: an, I'm a am LeBron fan. Like I, I just uh, like the what he does. I like his consistency. I like I like I always respect any athletes that stayed at the top for a very long time. But I, I understand what it requires. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how tough it is. So uh, so I always uh, love following athletes that did it consistently at the top. And LeBron is definitely one of those heroes. Really. Yeah.
0: Have you seen him live?
3: I would love to. I'd
0: love to. That's but I
3: have friends that did. My okay. friends are dead once, and they sat first show, and they took a picture of him just standing in front of him when he was in Cleveland. It was pretty irritating, really.
0: That's amazing. <laughs> well, hopefully, yeah, when all this all this passes and you're back playing, and, and you come across the tournament in America, go go get to see him. Um, okay. Mohammed, this has been an absolute delight and a treat for me. Thank you so much for your time. You know, getting someone like you on this platform to talk about the mind and, and actually get down with with some of the stuff. In that, in that head of yours has been brilliant. I hope you've enjoyed it because for me, it's no, been No, thanks
3: a lot for having me. Really appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> so listen,
0: good luck. Um, we all cannot wait to see you back uh, when this goes out. I think you'll probably be playing tournaments at that point. All the best. And hey, maybe in the future, in a year or so, we can have another chat and see where you're at mentally with things.
3: Hopefully. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Jesse.
0: Thank you. Presence. Process. Persistence. The essence of Squash Mind.